Greetings everyone, Jim here. Uh, before we get into this episode's game content, uh, which happens to be uh, our first episode of Horror on the Orient Express, uh, I have something I'd like to share with you. Uh, this was sent in by Florian, one of our listeners. We've had a few emails from him. Uh, nice guy. Hopefully we can get him uh, to join us for a game uh, sometime. Uh, but he put this together just for us. Uh, so take a listen. Sir, we are receiving a strange signal. On speakers. It almost sounds like someone hailing us. Open channel. This is Captain Larson of the USS Arkan. Identify yourself. Captain, are we in trouble now, Captain? Crewman... That doesn't even begin to describe it. God, we get the children out. We go in, we take them, we leave. Week after week, a thrilling tale. Always fun, always exciting. Render and Jim made an awesome podcast, and we hope it will always survive. It's the 
Tell of the Cthulhu, it's adventure of night Rising up against unspeakable horrors And the best known survival blues The rest of his mind And you will listen to it on the sky Of Cthulhu One of you has killed one of us A bunch of earth erupts, and uh, and uh, well, basically the world ends. So I have to say that is probably just about the coolest thing ever uh from myself from all of us here at skype of cthulhu uh, randall jonathan edwin gary uh, max shannon everyone else thank you so much for that florian that was absolutely absolutely awesome thanks of Cthulhu presents A Call of Cthulhu Campaign Horror on the Orient Express Dancers in an Evening Fog Shall we start with character introductions? Sure. Okay. Here we go with the order I've got you on my list here. So, Jim. Oh, man. Um, okay, so yes, uh, I am playing Tomas. Tomas is a 38-year-old fortune teller of Romani descent. Uh, he is something of a con artist, and he is more than willing to admit to the fact. Okay. Um, Edwin? All right. Uh, I'm playing uh, Jean-Paul Lenay, uh, the nose. D'Augustine, he is a uh, nearing 50-year-old a uh, gentleman of Russian descent, a uh, Parisian perfumier. Ah, uh, Frenchy. <laughs> and that is, in fact, a coincidence. From He, 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 he existed before the, the brothers. <laughs> <laughs> they were trusted for cheese. <laughs> Gary. I am Father Vincent Stewart of York, um, a Catholic priest. Fairly young. He's uh, 25 years old. Okie dokie. Um, uh, Randall. <laughs> I just can't get over your character name. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. She... Severi Peppins. He goes around by Seb. Um, he's a motor aficionado, and he helps the professor to spot mechanical tricks used by mediums to treat their victims. Uh, he's an atheist, he's a very muscular guy, and he's very intimidating as well. Uh, he loves and admires 
his father, who helped him become a good and honest man, and also immersing in the art of fencing. Uh, he uses a cane and hides a blade underneath. Um, it was given to him by his father, uh, who in return used it during the Great War. Um, so the top of the cane has a lion head. Um, and um, for him, it represents honor and loyalty. Uh, he is also very fond of London, and uh, he believes London is the cradle of uh, the current civilization of man. <laughs> Naturally. Still is, goddamn. Of course. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Um, excellent stuff. Uh, Max. Yes. Um, my investigator is um, Hugo Sterling, uh, an American <laughs> retired explorer, recently retired explorer, um, who um, has not really done anything of note in his career, although he has his, uh, helped out in his mentor's <laughs> career. His mentor was uh, uh, Norwegian explorer Roald Amundsen, uh, who invited right. him to be on his... Uh, uh, 1911 expedition to reach the South Pole, of which he was, uh, they were the first uh, exploration to reach the South Pole. Um, and uh, has a nice old compass that was engraved <laughs> and given to him by Mr. Amundsen uh, that uh, struck him out on his way to become his own explorer, uh, of which he's done some uh, around the world in different areas. And um, until he was in an accident in the Himalayas in his last uh, expedition. And he's uh, got some scars on his legs from that. Uh, and then uh, he's also missing both pinky toes as a result of frostbite from the South Pole exp expedition from, with Amundsen. Okay. Unbalanced, man. Okay. Uh, and just send me your character sheet when you're... Yeah. Coming that. shortly. Um... Okay, one more thing before we begin. Uh, just can I get your character's ages? Uh, so, Jim, I know you've... Uh, actually, I've got it open there. I see it's 38. Yep. Um, Edwin? Uh, 48. Gary? Um, 25, so I'm the youngest. <clears throat> Perfect. Uh, Randall? 32. And Max? 50. Okay, okay, I think that makes sense. I can work that in. Okay. Um, so, um, Randall made reference uh, in his character background to a professor, but the listeners won't know who that is. So, would someone like to uh, read out handout number one? Sure. What you know about your friend, Professor Smith. Professor Julius Arthur Smith, uh, literary doctor, philosophy doctor is 59, a heavy-set Englishman, a scholar, who now devotes himself entirely to research. He is famed for his whiskers and great curling mustaches, he has more than one, that give him the air of a friendly walrus. His disgusting preferences in tobaccos, especially his favorite, a foul obsidian-hued Balkan Sobrani, his erudite after-dinner stories, and his hearty laugh are trademarks. 
Dr. Smith has lived and traveled extensively on the continent. His specialties are European languages and archaeology. His literary doctor was conferred by the University of Vienna. In the past, he has aided you in rendering difficult translations. Now his attention has shifted to matters parapsychological, with excellent result. The professor maintains a townhouse in St. John's Woods, where he resides when in London. At present, it is undergoing renovation to enlarge his library, and so the investigators must stay at a hotel. When in London, Smith spends most of his time lecturing at the University of London or reading at the British Museum Library. He is a member of the Oriental Club, but does not get there as often as he would like. His country home is an estate not far from Cambridge. Margaret, his wife, died in 1919. These days, his manservant Beddoes, who is at once friend, assistant, and confidant, is his only companion. Perfect. So... The year is 1923, and it is currently January the 1st, Monday. Um, you have all been invited to London by your friend, Professor Smith. Um, you, have, you have all helped him in the past or worked with him, and I think now would be a good time. Just let's, let's try and work out what that was, what, what you assisted him with. Um, I'm I'm guessing that Tamas, you would have you would have helped the professor by maybe describing some of the tricks of the trade. Undoubtedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Edwin. Yes, I think that we have um, done some traveling together in various parts of uh, Europe, perhaps Eastern Europe, in our various researches. Sounds very good, Gary. How does the father fit in with the professor? Well, the father has um, helped uh, basically around um, York and around in, with access to the Catholic Church to getting access to archives for information. Plus, also, he's um, helped with uh, the professor to debunk a few of the um, uh, fake mystics. Excellent. Okay. <clears throat> Uh, Randall Zebedee. Yeah, basically he is uh, fun, um, um, kind of uh, finding, spotting, and uh, debunking any mechanical trick that is being used by, you know, mediums and um, people to trick, you know, uh, mm-hmm. their victims. Okay. And and actually, uh, he sees them as victims, right? Mm, mm, okay, excellent. Um, Max, I had in mind that um, uh, Hugo and the professor, they're, they're, they're of a similar age, maybe when, when they were a bit younger, certainly when the professor was a bit younger. You may have been on some expeditions together, but he certainly hasn't, hasn't been traveling recently because he's almost yes. 60. Sounds good. I mean, uh, and, that's, and that's pretty much uh, uh, Hugo's background is uh, mm-hmm. he... Met Amundsen, Amundsen mentored him. He went out, struck out on his own for a while, became a little bit established. Then Amundsen asked him on that 1911 trip, and then he did that, kept going out on his own, and that's about it. Um, has And then kind of just retired, not, you know, super well-renowned, but, you know, at least established. 
So yeah, that 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 sounds like it would work pretty well. Um, you know, maybe when he was doing his field work for a couple uh, in his younger, more spry days, um, then uh, yeah, that yeah, sounds good. Okay, good stuff. So let's. Uh, so just a bit of. Uh, bookkeeping. Uh, we're, we're using 7th edition. You'll have 7th edition character sheets. Um, so we are obviously using the new 7th edition rules. Uh, that means pushing rolls. Uh, I'm going to allow spending luck. So uh, um, that's that's one thing that I'm not 100% on is the luck. Right. So let's Same just here. go. You, you make a roll and you fail it you have an option to to make up the difference. So let's say your skill is 50, you roll a 53, then you could spend three luck points to pass that roll. Those luck uh. points have, have, have gone, yes? So then if, if, a, if a later luck roll would use that, that reduced luck score. Okay, so the luck is basically whatever you have to start with, once you burn through that, you're done. There's no mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. Okay. No. So, slight, uh, so if you read the 7th edition rules, there is a, an option. This is, this is an optional rule, but I decided I'm going to use it. And you have, the, you have an opportunity to basically roll your luck like you roll your skills. You try and fail a roll, and if you fail the roll, you get to, to add a d10 to it. Yes? Uh, okay. All right. And while the the rule book suggests you get to do this at the end of every session, I've decided we're, we're going to do it uh, at the end of each chapter. So whenever whenever I get you to roll your 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 ticks, do a standard character improvement phase. That's when we will do this. So luck is still uh, a rare resource, and you don't necessarily want to to be using it for every roll. Right, right. Pushing rolls, on the other hand, does everyone understand how that works? I'm pretty sure I get how that one is. The important thing was you can't push combat and you can't push basically anything where you can't narratively give yourself an added attempt. You can't push it. And And you can, um, when you fail, it's it's, uh, basically really, really bad. Yes. So I'm hoping you push lots of rolls and fail them all. No way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I think I think everything else uh, is pretty much as we have been doing in sixth edition. There's a few things like bonus dies and penalty dies, but we'll get to that when we get to it. Okay. So it is. Uh, well, we're going to begin on Monday, January the first. 1923, but the reason you're in London is because your characters have been invited uh, by Professor Smith to the annual Challenger Trust Banquet Lecture, and he has sent you these rather fancy formal invitations, and they say to please attend uh, in the the evening of Wednesday the 3rd at the, uh, let me look it up here, the Imperial Institute in Kensington, a very very fancy area and a very fancy building. And you may know um, that this is a rather prestigious lecture and very famous uh, guests have spoken in the past. And it's, 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 not, it's not really a, an academic lecture. It, it is, it's a lecture for, for sort of rich members of society, 
um, who who like to who like to I guess uh, cultivate an air of, of sophistication and and uh, yeah, being knowledgeable. So so they 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 organise these lectures, but their their main requisite for the for the speakers is that they are entertaining rather than that they can give a good academic lecture and from what you know of professor smith while he is an excellent academic he is he is a an even better after dinner speaker and you think that this is going to be this is going to be a lecture not to miss oh he's the speaker he's not just inviting us he is yes he's inviting you because he is the speaker ah so he will Uh, be giving the keynote lecture precisely and it's going to be it's going to be a rather formal affair. There's going to be lots of wine and good food and yes. So hopefully do, we're all do rather we, excited. Do we know each other? So do any of your characters live in London or own property in London? Yes. I do. Currently I am living in London. I'm York. <clears throat> I assume so, probably not. Yes. So so who who said that? That's um Hugo and uh Zebedee? Um, and Zep. Yes. I would have a uh, Pieta chair in uh, in London or some such uh, business outlet um, for um, for Augustine. Okay. Well, he he has offered to put all of your uh, characters up at a rather fancy hotel. So. If you're if you're happy to to accept this, then then you can all certainly be introduced to each other, and he'd probably he would have come and met you, let's say, um, uh, on on the morning of January the first, as you check into the hotel together. And he will introduce you, and yeah, why why don't we why don't we have that now? So uh, we're all there, and Professor Smith. Stand there. He's handing out these these rather fancy invitations to you. He says, "Oh, so 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 good you could make it, and um, really looking forward to uh, to having you there. It means means a great deal to me after all the help you've given me. Um, unfortunately, I have to rush off. Uh, lots of things to prepare, but uh, uh, feel free to uh, enjoy the hotel, enjoy the sights, and uh, I will see you Wednesday evening." With that, he leaves. Behind him is his uh, faithful manservant, Beddoes. Uh, I've just put a photo of Professor in the notes. I'll put a photo of his manservant. And you probably know that Beddoes has been in the service of the Professor for for many years. Yes. Uh, Oh, Beddoes. Good to see you again. Oh, yes. Nice to see you, sir. And with that, he, he scuttles off after the professor. So as the as the professor leaves, you uh, you see uh, Jean Paul remove a uh, handkerchief from in front of his nose and put it back in his in his uh, side pocket. Oh, always with that tobacco, insufferable, wonderful man, but he needs a new new tobacconist. Well, at least it was masking that... What is that chemical smell coming from you, sir? Dear God. From whom? From you, sir. I would not think so. 
You smell like you fell into a large vat of woman's perfume. Ah. <laughs> uh. Well, I suppose for one used to the native smells of the uh, of the countryside, you may not be used to civilization. Uh, if that is civilization, you can keep it, sir. I will. Thank you. <laughs> well, since we're all here together, I mean, we seem to all be friends of the professor. I'm Father Vincent Stewart. Father Stewart. Um, Are you... Uh, Sorry, Catholic or Anglican? Catholic. Or? Catholic. <coughs> okay. Uh, well, you are very young. Indeed, I to am. To be a father. <clears throat> I I fell into this path at a young age. <clears throat> well, good for you. You found your way early. I keep quiet on that remark. Hugo, it's good to see you again. I'm. Uh... Glad we've had this excuse to run into each other. Ah, we oui, indeed. Good to see you again, Jean-Paul. You look familiar, sir. Have I seen your picture in the paper somewhere? Um, you may have. Um, uh, maybe about ten years ago, I was in. Uh, I was an explorer, part of an expedition to the ah. South Pole. Ah, I see. I oh, see. but but that was much. That was a good time ago, and oh, Hugo, don't undersell your adventures. You were uh, quite the man in your youth. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, and how about you, gentlemen? I don't believe we've had the pleasure of meeting. You may call me Tomas. Tomas, how? Well, uh, Jim, how's Tomas dressed? Uh, exactly like his picture. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm on the my Skype hasn't doesn't work on my computer for some reason. It's been finicky. And uh, and uh, you young man, uh, Zeb, uh, you are. Uh, what brings you here? I usually help the professor uh, with um, this labor of, of um, enlightenment that he's been spreading here in London and other places. So we're quite close in that sense. We, I am very sorry, uh, Father. It's, of course, this is not personal, right? But um, I, I don't believe in any... Um, any gods or uh, entities outside our uh, realm. I'm, I prefer to to acknowledge only what I can see. So I usually help the professor to to make other people understand this by uh, showing that everything is world. just tricks and myths. There are things in this world that are beyond our comprehension. I still haven't been confronted with one that is not the outcome of man, sir. So. You are a lucky man. A very lucky man. Really? Have you? Well, probably not something I could share with you at this point, but uh, perhaps you'll remain lucky and able to keep your views of the world as they are. <laughs> very well. 
Very well. So, Zebedee, you actually, you know from your assistance with the professor um, that he, he shares your, your views. However, he is not dogmatic about this. Rather, he, he, he will seek to follow the evidence. So you, you and probably like yourself, you, you agree with him, maybe, that the evidence must be convincing before you will believe these claims. Right, right. But I, I haven't seen any evidence that, you know, has convinced no, no. me or anything so far. So, so mm-hmm. his position remains the same in that regard. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, your characters, what, what, what do you want to do for the rest of the day? Actually, the rest two days to go before the Challenger lecture. Is there anything? Well, uh, to be honest, the young Sepp is going to feel, you know, um, certain interest towards uh, Hugo Sterling. Um, in the sense Hero that he's, he's being an explorer and, you know, going to the pole and everything. That sounds very interesting for him. He, he is a, a man that admires um that kind of uh bravado right so so he i guess he's gonna try to stay around hugo uh listening to his stories of previous expeditions if he is fine with that uh tomas will set up a card table down the street from the hotel and give uh, tarot readings <laughs> to the passers-by, with the, with special focus to the uh, attractive, unattached young women. Are you deliberately uh, trying to con people out of their money? Yes. Make a sleight of hand roll. <clears throat> Sorry, just a second. Dice. Uh, sleight of hand. I see. That's a skill I actually have, and I pass by three. Okay, so regular success. Yes, regular success. Yes, then you make, uh, there are plenty of, of uh, hopeless tourists and uh, gormless people to, to take money from, and you, you come back that evening with, with rather heavier pockets than you left with. Yep. Father Stewart will be, um, he'll go to the local um, church, the, um, to a Catholic church, Sure. And and um, spend some time there in prayer, as well as spend time in the hotel talking to the other um, people. Perfect. Make a prayer rock. No. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed there's no religion skill. I noticed there was no religion skill. Then you don't need skill. No. <laughs> I think uh, I Dr. will... Uh, will visit uh, some of the local businesses that carry his, his line and generally try to keep keep things moving and so forth. We'll spend the day in, in commerce. Okay. You can make an accounting roll then. <laughs> All right. Well, charm would have been better, but it's not a very successful day for me. <laughs> hey, you just, you just don't understand what they're telling you about the... Uh... <laughs> ah yes, I'm sure that's all very good. <laughs> and uh, I guess I, having a new um, a new friend here with Zep uh, following me around, um, I will just I guess uh, take him around uh, 
have a few drinks at a couple different places and give them some good stories and and uh, just kind of like have a nice relaxing day, you know. Have a nice fan, might as well. Talk his ear off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, except even take takes notes, you know, of the places <laughs> that uh, uh, Mr. Sterling has visited and whatnot. Give him the harrowing tale of my final like major expedition where I, you know, hurt my legs. Excellent stuff. So let's fast forward a couple of days. You can basically spend the next couple of days doing uh, much the same, enjoying the sights and sound of London and the luxury of this rather fancy hotel. Uh, you you know instantly that Professor Smith is a is a rather wealthy man, um, and he has just inherited a fair bit of money from his uh, family, and so been able to devote himself to his academic pursuits without having to worry about financial matters. So it rolls around to the evening of Wednesday the 3rd, and I'm mostly thinking about Jim's character here. Um, the professor will have sent you a, a rather fancy um, uh, piece of evening wear. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yes, yes. <laughs> are you going to? Are you going to put it on? Is it? it it's probably with like the high collar and all the starch and. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> but just, Very difficult to hide my silk bandanas <laughs> in this thing. <laughs> you gotta make it yours, Jim. Uh, but just for this one night, I will. Yes. I am going to leave my hair and beard completely unkempt, though. Just as yes. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> okay, so he sends a taxi for you. Uh, no, actually, he'll send you a um, a chauffeur-driven car um, to collect you from the hotel. And. Right. All right. You arrive at the Imperial Institute in Kensington. It is um, normally you're uh, uh, so so you're in a you you get escorted in into a room that that is clearly a gallery of some kind, um, but most of the the uh, display objects have been moved aside and tables have been set out, and there is there is a, a, a lectern at one end on a raised stage. And you see, you see some rather fancy-looking guests. They're all dressed finely. There's tuxedos, gowns, splendid dress uniforms, jewels everywhere, gleaming sabers from the military officers, and plenty of waxed moustaches. You are offered drinks as you arrive. Champagne, naturally. Very fine. Accepted. And you are shown into the room, you are shown to a table, and you are all sitting together. It's a table set for for eight people, um, and five of you, and three other people join you, you've never seen before. And they're not particularly important to the story, so you can talk to them if you want. I'm sure they're uh, the bad guys, Male, female. Uh, there's there's one couple, so male, 
a female, clearly a married couple, and another older gentleman who sits down. He somewhat turns his nose up, turns his, and he sees you sit down next to him. <laughs> uh, is the couple an older couple or a younger couple? Or? Let's say a younger couple. Okay. And the, the young lady is, is rather attractive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good evening, lady and gentlemen. How are you tonight? Uh, pleasure to meet you, sir. Um, very well. I am uh, Sir Arthur something or other. <laughs> Here you see my young wife. <laughs> <clears throat> I will spend Elizabeth. the re- I will spend the I will spend the time until the lecture starts trying to chat up the wife and uh, <laughs> showing her some card tricks. <laughs> Excellent. Good stuff. So people are shown in and uh, seated. You've you've arrived pretty much on the dot for for the beginning of events. So there's not that much time to mingle and eventually a um, uh, young man steps up onto the stage, says, Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you all for attending the Challenger Trust Banquet Lecture. I'm delighted to announce that we have Professor Julius Smith to entertain us this evening. Ooh. Round of applause, please. And you see your good friend, Professor Smith, waddle in from a side door, walk up to the stage take a bow, and begin his lecture. So the beginning of the lecture is, is something you've, you've probably heard several times before. It's the standard debunking of frauds and psychics and mediums. And he is, a, he is an entertaining man, and he recounts with relish the clever deceits and his you know, even cleverer exposures of these charlatans and pretenders. There's laughter everywhere. And you can all make spot hidden rolls, actually. That is a success. Failed. Of the people who succeeded, did did any of you get half or so hard or extreme successes? No. Regular success. Mm. Regular. Jim, did you fail? Uh, yes, I did. You can, because of your background, you can actually double your skill. So does that change the result? Uh, yes, it does. Uh, that would be a regular success of the doubled skill. Okay. So the professor does a few tricks, and he, he shows some of the, the things that these, these frauds will use. But he's clearly very well-practiced, and, and even... Um, Tamas can't quite follow what's going on. You're sure if you were closer and could actually see what he was doing, but from a distance, it's just it's 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 a perfect display. No yeah, doubt you taught him how to professor. do these anyway. <laughs> yes, yeah, very the, impressive. The professor has been practicing. It's good to see. And so, after a while, these these uh, anecdotes and his his accounts, um, he he. He turns to the audience and he says, however, and you notice he's taken on a much more serious tone. 
I am a man of science, and as a scientist, I must rid my mind of preconceptions and above all else, follow the evidence. I have a great deal of experience with frauds and conmen who seek to use the paranormal as a way to enrich themselves at the expense of the credulous. But I've found categories of repetitious phenomenon offering no simple elucidation. I refer to the poltergeist, to the traveller who suddenly finds himself dozens or thousands of miles or years from where he stood moments before, and to the haunting. My presentation tonight concerns the last. I say haunting and not ghost or spirit, because alone of such epiphenomena, haunters can be buildings, lanterns, coaches and fours, swords and so on, as well as men, women, dogs, bears, processions, even armies. He pauses for a while and looks around the audience. Worldwide, the store of casual anecdote concerning haunters is enormous. And I say epiphenomena because the haunters are not linked with specific observers, and the haunting presumably occurs with or without human witnesses, as we shall see. Thus, perception of such an event is secondary to the event itself. The essential characteristics of haunters are simple. The personal thing must have existed, must have disappeared in some sense, and then must reappear once or many times. The location of the phenomena may stay the same, or may change. That which reappears may be partial and insubstantial, or be as solid and real-seeming as any member of tonight's illustrious gathering. No other conditions are needed. You, you may notice, looking around the room, that a few, a few of the audience are somewhat taken aback by this. Um, there's, there's quite a look of disbelief around. But uh, yeah, then, you yes. Staff, I, I yeah. brow a little bit. Yeah. With, uh, this am I correct in interpreting that this does seem out of character from what we know of the man? This is not what we were expecting. So you have you are probably not expecting this at all, but for the last maybe year or so, you actually haven't had much contact with the professor. And you know he's been working on some kind of project. He's he's been incredibly tight lipped about it. And so, so none of the five of you actually have a clue about what he's been doing for the, for the past year or what, he, mm. what the subject of tonight's lecture was. So he, 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 he looks around. He says, now, now, ladies and gentlemen, I see that some of you are, are, are looking slightly sceptical. But believe me, I said that I was a scientist and I will follow the evidence. He nods over to a corner and some gentlemen bring on a uh, slide projector and set up a screen. And he starts to project slides of three hauntings in detail. And he shows a Breton fishing boat, a Norwegian woman, and a London hansom cab. He says that each incident was studied and photographed simultaneously from at least three positions, allowing accurate scaling of the apparitions. And he proceeds to demonstrate several characteristics shared by the three. He points out that these three apparitions do not coalesce from points, as most tales describe, but slowly emerge whole from invisible planes, as if passing through the curtains of perception. Each, in addition, is semi-transparent. He traces the clear passage of a wave through the fishing boat, shows several images in progression, and shows that the image causes no froth or ripples, does not resist the water. 
In other slides, you can actually see the second or third photographers he mentions through the image of the apparition. And then finally, he points that each apparition glows appreciably, as he demonstrates by isolating, isolating the reflections from nearby objects. Uh, he mentions words such as uh, sampling attributes of the, the ionization. Uh, yes, we see that uh, the, the reflection index indicates that the ionization varied randomly during the event. And at this point, someone shouts out from the audience, Balderdash, you've been taken in by very good fakes. The professor looks over. Ah, Professor Thompson, I knew you would be sceptical. But let me, let me assure you, these are not fakes. I was, I was present at the uh, photography of each of these. And further, he nods again to the corner, I have film. At this point, a few people sort of gasp. And a projector, uh, a cinema projector is brought in and assembled. This takes a while. And the, the, the room has, has erupted into, into muttered conversations around us. The professor lost his mind. Oh, yeah. Like a, amazing, amazing. Oh. It's, it's, he, my opinion is like, that's, that's weird. What is going on with the professor? No, the no, he... He has his reasons. He ha he'll have his reasons. The father's sitting on the edge of his seat, looking around, looking at the other people and looking at the professor. <laughs> he should have taken me. I could have helped him to unmask whatever is happening there or he thinks that is happening there. <clears throat> is, is, he, is he going senile? And I look respect respectfully towards Mr. Sterling. Now, now, let's just see what he has to say, Zeph. Don't, don't count him out yet. Poor man's eyes have been opened. <sighs> so as you, as you have this conversation, the, the, the slide, uh, sorry, film projector is assembled and uh, brought up to speed, and the bulb turns on and you see the film. And it's, it's incredible. It, 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 is, it is showing exactly as he described. It shows these, these apparitions manifest out of nowhere. And none of you can think of, of any possible way that this, this could be faked. Um, he points out a ripple passing across the sail of the fishing boat. And he points out that it's, 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 it's slowed down. It, the motion seems strange. Then he nods at his assistant and... Uh, the assistant modifies something on the projector and the film is speeded up. And as, as this happens, you see that the the ripple across the sail of the fishing boat now looks normal, whereas everything else is going on in in a faster faster rate. Um, he shows this again for the um, the staircase descent of the Norwegian woman. It seems it seems less unusual when it's speeded up. Again, the horse that's drawing this 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 carriage swishes her tail back and forth as if discouraging flies. And it's... In fact, um, let's see, the Zebedee can make a sanity roll. <laughs> because this, yeah. is, this is seriously shocking your, your view of the world. Yeah, even though I still don't buy it, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm impressed, but I still don't buy it. And that's a zero four. Okay, so you, you, you don't lose anything, but you are... This is, this is giving you some, some thought. Some food for thought. Right. The professor continues. Um, he says that historically each of these, these three apparitions was held to have disappeared, not to have been killed or destroyed. He says this, this cannot be said to be true of every apparition. Um, 
and he goes on. So uh, comparatively, uh, instances of touchable solid apparitions rarely occur. Uh, one might wait many lifetimes for a chance. Uh, such apparitions seem not to be uniformly preserved. Uh, the south of England has been settled by man for many thousands of years, yet the vast majority of hauntings seem to have been produced in the past five or six centuries. Only a handful survived from Roman times. And then he looks to the audience, he pauses, gathers his notes, and looks up. In conclusion, I would like to note that in the past 30 years, science has begun to learn about that which cannot be seen or normally sensed, and that some behaviour on the atomic level is impossible in the greater world. It is my belief that such hauntings represent clues concerning a natural universe much larger and much stranger than we imagine. The walls of what we perceive as normality have a subtle flexibility. The spectral hauntings I have discussed represent attempts, perhaps random, perhaps purposeful, certainly unsuccessful, to return to this time and space by elements of it somehow removed. If we are energetic and not a little lucky in our observations, maybe one day we will be able to move up and down time or to travel globally with minor effort or to perceive that which at present lies completely beyond our senses. What waits beyond remains the supreme question, which for the present, each must answer for himself. And he bows, and the room erupts in applause. I refrain from applauding. I would wholeheartedly join in the applause of my old friend. I feel a little... Mr. Pepin, you do not approve. Step you look, down. You, you look uh, confused. You look upset, sir. A little bit. I, I believe uh, someone has fooled the professor here. Um, oh. I don't know. I will have to, you know, take my time to to see the film again and uh, see if I can decipher exactly what is going on there. I feel like uh, the professor has let me down, honestly. But uh, he's a good man, regardless. Well, he good just told us there's just so much more to explore now. You should be excited, Zep. Yeah, he stays quiet. Yes, yeah. a world of science out there. Absolutely. Lecture has concluded and the meal begins. So uh, food is brought out and more wine is poured and you see that, that the professor has, has wandered off to a table and um, the people at this table seem to be especially uh, fancily dressed and uh, you, you, you probably realise that these are, the, these are the trustees of the, of the lecture uh, and they are picking the professor's brains and congratulate him, congratulating him on his uh, wonderful lecture. Make spot hidden rules. Nope. nope. No, I'd rather not. Let me check. I think oh, I wait. just. I'm sorry. I have a second. pass on that. That's a fail. Uh, that's a pass. No, that's a fail. Who who passed? Uh, Jean Paul Augustine has a regular pass. Okay, in the corner of the room, you you notice that you you are being observed. In fact, your your table is being observed by a dark moustached man in his late 30s um, you, you, 
he sort of catches your eye because he, he's actually staring directly at the group, your, your, your group, as you're discussing this, this uh, the end of the lecture. And as you notice him, he turns around and he leaves. Uh, I do say that that young man there in the corner was well, he's just leaving now. Seemed like he was staring at us for some reason. He was in his late thirties, you estimate. Wait, which man? And he looks up and looks around. Perhaps some guy's back. <laughs> Perhaps he is a fan of your uh, sense, Mister Augustine. Perhaps he would have to have a fine nose to uh, to pick it out from where he was. <laughs> I chuckle and I take a look at the man just to you know have a mental picture of him if I see him again. Was he dressed? How was what was his uh, uniform like? Uh, he was wearing a uh, you know a, a suit evening wear, much like uh, you Banner. know. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the, the evening continues and, and the, the food is excellent and the drink is flowing and Tamas is, is Tamas can make a charm roll actually. Okay, let's see. That is, yeah, that is that. And the dice say, aha, <laughs> I have a, oh, um, sorry, it's a normal. So the full skill is normal. The half skill is. Uh, I forget, I forget. Hard, hard, and then fifth is extreme. Okay, I almost make an extreme success, <laughs> but not quite. So only a half okay. success. How how close are you, Jim? Because uh, that would be a perfect example of when to use luck. <laughs> <laughs> My luck is not all that great, so I'm not really. <laughs> so no, just a uh, hard success. Well, young Elizabeth is is just. Uh, enamored with you i mean she's she's laughing at all your jokes and she is she's using every excuse to sort of place her hand on yours and, and oh and and you are, you seem to be making some some serious progress there when when all of a sudden uh, her husband gets up and says we're leaving dear and drags her off and uh, oh so soon mr something or other well i hope you enjoyed the or uh, something or other there is something or other yes sorry <laughs> sorry right. I hope you enjoyed the lecture, uh, sir, miss, or ma'am. He he just sniffs and turns away, and, and <laughs> she turns back and smiles at you. <laughs> I give her a Since wink. You, you have upset the couple there, uh, Tomas. I can't imagine why. Perhaps oh, it was... Add a little fire to their evening. Perhaps it was yeah. the strong smell coming from the other side of the table. <laughs> <laughs> I just chuckle the whole time at these youngins. <laughs> so towards now, the, now, the, the end of the evening, <laughs> the professor uh, is doing the rounds and he wanders over to your table and he says, oh, I'm so glad you could make it. Um, uh, what did you think? Ah, wonderful, wonderful. It was, it was uh, very interesting. Well, I believe Mr. Pepin is not very happy with your uh, lecture, though. Oh, Zebedee, Zebedee, what have I told you? We must always follow the evidence. The evidence is the thing that decides what is true, not our beliefs. I've got to be honest, Professor. I feel like um, you should have involved me in this somehow. Maybe I could have been of uh, help, you know, to follow that evidence more closely. Uh, You can can still help me. Why don't I tell you what? All of you, 
come and see me. Uh, I'm busy for the next few days. Um, just, just some sort of totting up figures in his head. Oh, I can't do Thursday, Saturday. No, um, uh, next next Tuesday. Yes, um, come come round and see me, and um, and we'll discuss it further. I'll, I'll show you. I'll show you all the files I've collected, and uh, I didn't have time to show everything tonight, but. Yes, I, I, I would love some help. So, uh, sure, anything <laughs> you know to help you see through the lights. That obviously someone has most know, definitely forced you to see. Now, now, Zebedee, Zebedee, what have I told you? If you believe I know, I that these Satan's works are happening here, then I would definitely come to talk to you. Yeah. Oh. But might they not oh. also be God's work? <clears throat> Father. More Satan. God works in more mysterious ways than just. <laughs> oh, oh, Father, Father. Anyway, yes. Let's uh, let's all, all gather and uh, and we can discuss this further. Anyway, I must go. I have too many people to say say thank you to. Um, I do hope you have a wonderful, enjoyable evening. And with that, he um, turns. Still seem perfectly <laughs> cheerful, as far as we can, I can tell. Make a psychology roll. That would be a, a fail. Yeah, that's a good point. Let me let me check. You know, oh, normal yeah. success. State of mind. Um. Okay, I rolled an 08, which for my psychology is less than one fifth. Okay, extreme success. So you 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 all know the professor rather well, and those of you who made successes, and especially the father. You conclude that this is this is not uncharacteristic of what you know of his beliefs. He has always stated that he will follow the evidence, and but the evidence must be uh, convincing. And he, 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 as he said, as he pointed out in the lecture, he was present at at these three apparitions and assisted with the filming. Yeah, therefore the and, evidence and, is solid for him. Yes, and you, you, you believe. You all believe that he is a he is a man of his word, and he is he has never been uh, yeah anything but but completely honest with his dealings. He doesn't with seem uh, uh, not to overuse the word, but he doesn't seem haunted in any way, does he? No. Although you didn't pass your psychology role, so I will ask the others. His normal self. Yeah. The father is convinced that that he you know seems perfectly consistent with what you know of him. Very good. I, uh, I worry. But we shall meet with him. That will be very interesting to see what he has seen and hear what he has heard. So the, the evening continues um, for, for a, a bit longer, and eventually it's, it's clearly winding up, and um, a young servant turns up and says, a car is waiting to take you back to the hotel, sirs. Very good. <clears throat> So with that, is there anything you would like to, to, to do for the next couple of days? Next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I would ask everyone if they wanted to go on a hike uh, or some sort of little outing they wanted to. Just get a little exercise. Oh, it would definitely, be good yeah, to take my, my mind off this speech from the professor. No, the father would definitely be up with it. Have to keep up the constitution. Stay healthy. I will walk from the hotel around the block and uh, 
back into the uh, lobby. That's very nice. Excellent. <laughs> yes, Mr. Sterling, I will join you. Very good, very good. Perhaps we can meet for dinner some evening in the, during the week. Get to know you all a little better. Yes, uh, I probably didn't mention this before, but you, you've basically been put on a, uh, an expense account at this hotel. So you're charged to the room. Can, yeah. <laughs> you know, wow. Be covered. <laughs> Charge it to the room. <laughs> the uh, father still eats um, very, very mm. cheaply. He still lives cheaply. <laughs> Charge it to the father's room. <laughs> 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 so a couple of a couple of days pass, and you can you can go off hiking and get to know each other, and uh, go out and con some more tourists out of their money, and Absolutely. generally pass the time as you would like to. Who reads newspapers every day? Every day, most definitely every so, day. Yeah, probably. Never. So you you meet for breakfast. Um, on the morning of Saturday, the 6th of January, 1923, and you are sat together at a table. And those of you who are reading the the newspapers, uh, there's there's something rather just jumps out at you on the front page as rather unusual. And I'm going to paste it into the notes. <laughs> oh, what? Man dies three times in one night. Three bodies in hotel. Each man carries same identity. Three slain men were discovered last night in a London hotel, each bearing positive identification as Mr. Mehmet Makirat of Islington. Each had been stabbed through the heart. Maids at the Chelsea Arms Hotel discovered the remains. The room was also registered in the name of Mr. Makirat. Bona fide papers identify the trio as one man, the Mr. Makirat who is a Turkish antique and art dealer doing business in this city. The victims bear superficial resemblances, and each had passed as Mr. Makirat since independently arriving in London three days ago. Confusingly, the real Mr. Makirat, or at least the man described by neighboring shopkeepers as Mr. Makirat, cannot be found. Police request that he come the passports of these Turkish nationals record independent worldwide travels for each man over the past three years. Inspector Fleming of Scotland Yard is at a loss to describe the meaning of the bizarre mystery, but is eager to converse with any other Mehmet Makirat still living. Turks. Ah, a jolly good riddle, that. Hmm. Hmm. That's a very interesting riddle. Good riddance, I say. Three less Turks in the world. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is up your alley, Tomas, No. <clears throat> what do you mean by that, sir? <laughs> well, just Excuse what do you me? mean by that, sir? It seems that you uh, enjoy the uh, seeing into the occult. I've noticed as you uh, make friends with the tourists of, of London. I'm not sure that I see the connection to killing Turks, though. Oh, I don't mean the dead part. I mean the fact that there were three of him. Oh, oh, of course, of course. Well, perhaps we should consult the tarot and see what it has to say about this. Oh, do tell us what the tarot says about Mr. Macarat? <laughs> How is that name pronounced? You got Macarat. it right. Macarat. I'm assuming. 
And why is it 17 times in that damn article? (laughs) (laughs) Those of you who are reading the newspapers can make spot hidden rolls. Okay. Uh, would there be anything in the uh, in the the Paris Times or anything, or is this just in London? Uh, if you are reading the Paris Times, you're probably reading you're you're probably not reading today's edition. Great. Okay. I made uh, a normal success. A uh, normal success as well. Okay. Hope everyone's ticking their skills, but uh, um, mm-hmm. I'm you now have on the exchange here between the yes. So everyone, everyone men, is so. is discussing this. Some of you are, are still continuing to peruse the pages. Um, this article uh, was on the front page, but a a few pages in, um, hidden away slightly, is the following. And I'm going to paste, going to paste it into the notes. Professor's home burns. Fears for his safety. Professor Julius Arthur Smith a figure well-known in academia, was sought today following the burning of his St. John's Woods home under mysterious circumstances. Missing, also, is Dr. Smith's manservant, one James Beddoes. Witnesses saw a man resembling Beddoes run from the house just before the fire broke out. Anyone knowing the whereabouts of Dr. Smith or Beddoes is requested to contact Detective Sergeant Rigby at Scotland Yard's Arson Division. Great Scott! Here. Oh dear! Oh my God! Oh my oh. Julie! Oh my Lord! If I had one, let's, we must let's... find him. I would stand up immediately. Yeah, I, same here. I, I think we have to go to the house to see what's going on. No, no, we we need to find his detective, uh, Sergeant Rigby, in the Scotland Yard. Well, you can go to the police, Mister Pepper. Yes, I will be. <clears throat> going to investigate the home. Yes, I have no interest. Thomas? I have no interest in engaging with the constabulary. We don't have any news for the constabulary. We we should see what's gone on, and then well, speak to the he, police. It, it seems he was not he was not home at least when the fire occurred. We don't know. Well, he's he's missing. Maybe we should right. stop by his office. That's what I was thinking. Before heading out, heading out to his yeah. home. Well, regardless, my recommendation is to stay together. So if you decide to go there first, I will go with you, gentlemen. Based on what we know of him, is is there any is there anywhere that he would? I mean, you know, thinking of what we know of, where would we think he, that he might be if he wasn't at home? Okay, so British you, Museum Library. Um. Yes, you. If you look back at the original, what you know, um, it states uh, several interesting things. There, you've got the the University of London, where you know he has an office. Um, Saint John Woods Home. Okay, so we'll Saint John Woods Home is the one that has burnt down. So he could so be. He, he could be in Cambridge home. too. He could be in Cambridge, though. Yeah. Perhaps someone should call Mark. And and he's also a member of the Oriental Club. Margaret, his wife, who died in 1919. Yes. <laughs> perhaps <laughs> someone should... <laughs> perhaps... <laughs> what I meant to say is perhaps someone <laughs> should call whoever it is that manages his home in Cambridge. That would have been uh, Beddoes, I think, who was the last person seen running away from the St. John's Woods home. Well, he, when wouldn't, it was, wouldn't he have a... Can make, 
housekeeper or a maid or I do Rose while you're um yeah. saying this. I would that. think that the uh have I ever Idea is just your int, right? Jonathan, do yes. I have a contact in um, Cambridge Success. from the church that I could ask to go and check out the Cambridge house? Do you? Go to... uh, let's just resolve the idea rolls. Okay. Good. Oh, there was an idea roll. <laughs> Extreme success. Hard success. O2. O2. You, you realize, you, you think the police will have probably checked out his country home. You don't know for certain, but you, you assume the police are not that incompetent. Well, that doesn't mean we trust them. I mean, if we trusted the police, we wouldn't be running off to check on him regardless. Yes. Well, <laughs> well, I say we should definitely check his office. He seems like the type of person that would, you know, he, he, he would be at his office normally all the time, I would think. Uh, yeah. Other than He might not see a paper if he's got his nose buried in the books. But he would know if his house has been burnt down. No, yeah. Because they were saying if we have any knowledge on his whereabouts. Right. So yeah. I'm assuming this... he's not like at his normal, you know, he's probably not at home or anywhere that he would be. That's why we're probably going to go Let's go to him. his office. I, I, I agree with going there first. And... I think we go to his office first and then we go to the house. Us to have a look at over the fire. So, Father Stuart, make a make a luck roll. Yep. You you succeed. I'm uh, just rolling it now. Forty four. Sure. That's a success. Then you do have a contact in the church in Cambridge. Well, okay. Um, I'll just make, gentlemen, if you excuse me, I'll just need to make a phone call. Um, I'll call my friend in Cambridge and ask them if they can. Uh, keep an eye on gentleman because he's gone missing and I'm worried about his whereabouts. He's a dear friend of mine um, and wondering if they could just keep an eye on his home in Cambridge if he turns up to let me know. Oh, certainly, certainly, Father Stuart. Uh, shall I, shall, I'll, I'll go over there now and uh, thank see, you very much. Thank you. Uh, Jonathan, have I met this uh, James Beddows? Yes, you met him. Uh, you you you've met him several times before with the professor. He's he's he always accompanies the professor, and uh, you you probably know him relatively he, well. He always struck me as a good man. Or yes, no. absolutely. You 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 do not doubt his loyalty to the professor. Right. Same same would go for me. Correct. That applies for all of you. That's so okay. very unusual. So very unusual from Mr. <laughs> Beddows. Uh, maybe we should focus on finding Beddows and find out what happened to the professor. But let's let's go to his office first. Do we know Beddows well? Or does any of us know Beddows well enough to know like where his family lives? Or no, he's like he, he is quite a private man. He is he is the classic English butler, so he he doesn't like to talk much about himself. I'm afraid not. But you do know that he has an office, uh, and right. you know where it is. You've probably we'll met him the there several times. Okay. Um, you turn up to the university, and you arrive at the building where he has his office, and it is it is open, and there are there's there's a woman sitting at the sort of front desk, and she is. She is weeping. There, there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, sorry, I I, I didn't see you there. Um, uh, 
Uh, welcome to the uh, Department of Archaeology. Um, <laughs> well, we're friends of the professor. We're very sorry. Oh, that's happened. Oh, it's so I, terrible. I you know, put my hand on her shoulder to kind of um, give her some support. And uh, hand out my handkerchief. So, And I'll, I'll, I'll take... My lady, the God's looking after the professor. He'll be found. <laughs> As you mentioned. Did, <laughs> the did she have the, uh, does she have the, the same newspaper <laughs> open on her desk, or is there some additional yes. information yes. that's obvious? Same thing? Okay. Uh, what's your name, my lady? Julie. Julie, um... We're here to try to find out what happened to the professor, see if we can find him uh, before someone else does. No one knows. That's, that's, that's the worst thing. Uh, um, we're, we're all so worried. Uh, did you hear from him last night? No, no. Uh, he hasn't been in for a, for a couple of days. Um, oh, he's been, been busy with other things, but uh, oh, it's, it's just so awful. Very well. Well, let, as I said, you know... Pro, um, Probably you have seen me around coming here a couple of times. I usually help the professor uh, with his research. Um, Credit rating. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 37 out of 40. Oh, uh, yes, yes, I think I have seen you before. Um, uh, Zeb, is that you? Yes. Oh, Zeb, it's so awful. It's so awful. <laughs> I, I, I know, I know, my dear. I reassure a little bit more. And uh, I look to the others so they can start looking around the room. Uh, we're going to search around the, the papers of the professor, if you don't mind. See if oh, we can yes. find any clues of this strategy. She, um, she goes into a drawer and pulls out a key and... Ow, fuck, fuck, shit. Ow, Jesus Sorry, just got mauled by my cat. Ow! <laughs> <laughs> Dug its claw in. <laughs> I was about to say, man, you got a yeah. bad. What a mouth for a lady. Oh my I God. was just wondering what was in the desk drawer. We can get the key in. <laughs> mouth trap. <laughs> yeah. Um, don't mind it. <laughs> Don't mind us, Jonathan. We're all, we're just all laughing at your pain. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we're not laughing with you. We're laughing at you. Hey, the cat's on the player's side. Oh. Right, rocks fall, you'll die. Um, okay. <laughs> ah, where was I? Yes, she reaches into a desk and pulls out a key and and hands it to you. And oh, you 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 know where his office is? Yes. Right. Yes, we do. I guess we'll wander up there. Yep. Uh, as they head off to the office, I'm going to stay at the front desk and comfort Julia. Of course. <laughs> so those of you heading uh, upstairs, uh, you, you go up some stairs, down a corridor, and you notice a couple of the doors are open and there are some, some people working and there's, there's a rather somber mood around here. Yeah, uh, you know, um, Seb is thinking that uh, whatever caused this strategy, 
might have been triggered by whatever the professor was working on recently. Uh, that includes his fish yesterday. So I'm going to look around for any papers uh, that talk about the, the project. He was working on all this, this secret project that he was discussing yesterday, until yesterday, sure. of course. Okay. And see what evidence can I gather and share with the others. Say, wasn't so, there that mustachioed man that was watching us? No. That's very strange, yes. But um, he left, you know, right after you noticed him looking at us. Was it you or was it uh I think it Jean, was uh, Jean-Paul. 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 Yeah, it seemed he was staring at all of us, sort of taking us each in in turn. And then when I caught his eye, he stepped away. What did he look just, like? Sorry, I'm just going to step away for for two minutes, but just continue discussion amongst yourself. I'll be back. Bind, bind your wound. For <laughs> <laughs> say, roll. <laughs> oh, one weird fact. One weird fact I've just recently learned is cats do have a second brain for controlling the tail. <laughs> what? Um, cats have a small hind brain in the back of the legs, which actually controls the tail. And make it flick uncontrollably, you know, when they attack their own tail. Huh. Somebody did a research on it for some reason. <laughs> so cats are really dinosaurs, is what we're saying. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> okay, back now. <laughs> we didn't get much further. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sorry, so, I just uh, said something bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> What, uh, what, what's, what are you doing? In fact, you're, okay, so you open the door to, to the professor's office, uh, unlock it, and it is, it is incredibly neat and tidy. Um, uh, there, are, there are a few books around here, um, but you, you, you realize from what you know, the professor used to meet with his uh, students here, but did most of his research at, his, at other places, either at the British Library um, and probably did most of his his writing at his home. Mm. Well, do we know uh, whether I'm he sure. normally spent most of his time in town or in the country? You well, know that since the since the death of his his wife, he spent most of his time in London. Okay, and um, and I I'm, I'm assuming I would have probably been to his other home in uh, Cambridge. Yes. Yeah. So why don't we we could head there if we want to check. And see if he's retreated there. Well, I was just thinking, if we're looking for evidence of his of his writing, that would likely be at his home that just burned down. Um, you probably know a phone number for his um, his house in the country. In the country, okay. Yes. Um, well, why don't we give that a ring? I'll try and reach him. Okay. Uh, so I'm not going to role play the whole thing, but you um. You get through to a to a maid, and uh, she she doesn't tell you anything more except that he hasn't he hasn't come here, and they're all they're all so upset, and the police have been round, and um, oh, it's all so terrible. But you get nothing nothing additional. I think we have to check out his house. Is it normal for his office to be this neat? Mm. Yes. Well, I I would have asked I would have asked her what was the last time that he he, he was there? How long ago? She says. Um, Two months. Um, oh, okay. He, he really spends most of his time in, in London these days. Very well. So, hmm. 
He also is a member of this club, the, um, I'm sorry, I, I, Oriental Club? Yeah, the Oriental. Yes. So we might want to check there. He may have, he may have gone by there, uh, after the lecture or in a couple days leading up to the fire. Right. So, yeah, so he hasn't been seen really since, uh, Wednesday. Today's Saturday. It's been a few days. Um, you, yeah. you, you know he hasn't, seen he hasn't been seen at the, at the, at the, at the work, at work. Yeah. So, yeah, why don't we try and go check out the uh the club or I will I will certainly try. And you you can check you can go and, and do that. Uh let's regroup. I will like to go and speak with the sergeant as sergeant sergeant Rick, uh, Rigby at the Scotland Yard. Um I'll go and meet with him. Uh explain to him that we're very worried about the professor and see what he knows so far. You see if that it's going to be of any help to us, and then we'll, we will regroup after you visit the, the club. What do you say, gentlemen? That sounds uh, good. Jean-Paul, Jean would you like to join me? To the Oriental Club? Yes. Certainly. Fine establishment. Well, Thomas? I, I, I have no desire to visit with the police, and I do not believe that the Oriental Club will allow me in. So... I believe, I believe I will go check out the. Uh, I believe I will go take a look at the player at the, the player, at uh, the professor's uh, house here in London. At least see what's left of it. Thomas, I might join you at the professor's house. I have no interest in the club and the police. Well, we have no information to give to the police. Uh, well, actually, we should give them the description of that shady-looking mustachioed man. Why? Because he was looking. Agreed-o. Because he was looking at us. <laughs> us. Well, what, he was what a suspicious-looking, suspicious-looking character. Maybe he's but, a known criminal. Well, he was. He, he was not the only suspicious-looking character at the <laughs> at the lecture. I'm not, <laughs> Quite not right. Sure I see the connection. Well, maybe we can get. Some, maybe uh, Zepp can get some information that we don't have from the police. Well, come, very well. Come, Father Stewart. Let us. Let us go. Let's regroup, Thomas. Let's regroup. <clears throat> okay, so who's going to the police? Uh, I'm going to the police alone, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you uh, you arrive at Scotland Yard. Yes, and sir. And you and ask for uh, Sergeant Rigby. Uh, so there's a uh, constable at the desk, and he says, uh, "Concerning what?" Um, you know, I saw in the newspaper. That the he's requesting any anyone who knows the Professor Smith to come and talk to him, and I'm uh, a close friend of uh, Professor Smith. You know he's I been missing. Believe it was anyone who fire. knows the whereabouts of Doctor Smith. Do you know the whereabouts of Doctor Smith? Oh, the whereabouts. Well, in that case, I would like to talk to him to see if there is any progress. You know, I'm the closest thing the Professor Smith has. Do you have uh, any information? Family. Relevant to the case, sir. No, I don't have any information, and uh, but I would like Sergeant to Sergeant Rigby is a very Sergeant. busy man. Rude, you, sir. I just want to exchange a few words and uh, you know make acquaintance with the with the sergeant. That's all I'm asking, sir. I'm very worried about the the professor, and uh, it will be nice and helpful if uh, if he can contact me if he knows any any 
anything else about his whereabouts. As I said, I'm the closest thing the professor had for a family, sir. You, you know, can make trying to... a, a fast talk roll. <sighs> I don't have any fast talk. What's the base? 05? Yes. Five. No. But I have intimidate. <laughs> <laughs> you could you could push the roll. <laughs> Very no, early no, that's to go fine. to jail, but <laughs> that's fine. Uh, no, I think um, you should. Well. I think you should try to intimidate the uh, constable. Yeah. 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 <laughs> relevant the case, then, uh, then uh, uh, we do not talk about ongoing investigations, and we'll probably find out when we find out information, when we release it to the press. So, uh, good day, sir. Unless you would like to make a written statement, I can provide you with uh, some paper for that. What about uh, if I tell you that during the, his last um, speech, um, I saw a, a mysterious man in that place. Would, would that help the, the detective or not? I can give, I can give you a... Or I can give the detective a good description of the man who was there. You can give one of my colleagues a description and he will pass it on to the detective sergeant. Well, you know what? Tell the, the, the detective if he wants to talk to me about this, uh, he can reach me. And I give, give him my, my room number at the hotel. Excuse me, sir. Are you saying you do have information relevant to the disappearance of the professor? But you are not maybe, willing to give it to the police. You walked maybe, into this police station. <laughs> maybe it's nothing, sir. Maybe it's nothing. That's what maybe I. Maybe I will to have you arrested for wasting my time. If you have a description to give, do you have a description to give? I do. I do. Give me someone, and I will give him the description. He calls over a colleague, and uh, you you get taken away into another room, and you 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 give a description to. Another constable. Very good. This, this takes probably an hour or two. <laughs> various events of that evening. How you know the professor. All right. Okay. Who is going to the Oriental Club? Uh, John Paul and somebody who's on mute. Yep, that's exactly who. Um, it would be Jean Paul and uh, myself. Okay. Um, who has the highest credit rating? Mine is sixty. Okay, so you 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 basically have no problem getting inside the club, and uh, you quickly establish that no one at the club has has seen the professor recently. Um, you can talk to some of the people who who know him quite well, and they're happy to 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 tell you everything they know, which is very little. Hmm. And this takes several hours as well as you. And, Basically, uh, don't get much information. And the last time he was seen there was uh, before Christmas. Oh, okay. Yeah. So sometime. Hmm. Where has he been going? I mean, he often just works at home, so it's possible that he had been at home. But uh, well, hopefully, he was not home when the home burned and the house burned. Yes. Hmm. So, who is going to the professor's home? Tomas and the Reverend. Okay. Yep, myself. Father. Father, sorry. <laughs> yes. So you arrive uh, at the professor's address. Um, burned timbers, blackened stone, and smoking ash. 
are all that remains of the professor's once grand townhouse. Um, you, you notice there are a couple of police officers still sifting through the rubble as you as you get there. I'll walk up to the police officers and say, excuse me, um, I'm Father Stuart. Um, the uh, professor was a good friend of mine. Do you mind if uh, we have a quick look around? We are trying to... Uh, no, find no. out of the question. This is, this is a crime scene. <clears throat> Please, please step back. If you if you have any information about the whereabouts of the professor, uh, please go to Scotland Yard. <coughs> I'll look to Thomas. So the the house is a townhouse, you said, right? Yes. Uh, were the townhouses on either side of it damaged? Uh, yes, yes, some of them were. Mm-hmm. But the okay, uh, but this is but only the professor's is the one that was destroyed. Yes, yes. Yeah, the, the 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 houses either side have um, have significant damage, but they they haven't collapsed completely. Okay. At some stage, firefighters arrived and obviously were able to to quench the flames somewhat. But uh, as you're as you're looking around, you can you can make a spot in wrong. Okay. Mm. Nope. No, I can't. Ninety-two, definitely not. <clears throat> Uh, yeah. As I'm lots, as I'm looking stuff. As I'm looking around, are there any? Um, what kind of what kind of uh, section of town is this? Town is this? Is this? This is a nice area. Okay. Um. So probably no vagabonds, people living in the you know, <clears throat> people sleeping in a box in the alley, anything like that. No, I mean L- London is. It, it's you can't really completely divided into rich and poor areas it's so it's it's very mixed but you certainly have rich streets and and poor streets so this is this is a rich street and the, the houses are rather grand and fancy um you, you wouldn't have to walk that far away to find a you know a, a more middle class area and then maybe walk a bit further to find a poorer area but no there's certainly no vagrants okay on this street hmm. oh well, certainly looks like a terrible fire. So mm. was was the whole thing destroyed, or is it just severely damaged? I mean, is it just a pile of smoking timbers, or...? There, you can see there is certainly still some structure to the house, but um, a, a couple of the, the higher-up floors have, have collapsed down and you know, knocked through some timbers, and it's clearly the inside was completely gutted. Okay. Um, as you as you look at this, you realise that there's 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 no chance that any books or papers would have would have survived. Okay, fair enough. Um, is there? Hmm. Uh, are there any neighbours about? Mm, what are you doing to find out? <laughs> uh, just well, first of all, just looking. Yeah, um, it, it seems like the, the the police are starting to get a bit annoyed at you continuing to be here, and, and you you gather they've probably moved people on. Well, I, I, like cross back over, you know, to the other mm-hmm. side of the street and street, so, yeah. Just kind of, okay. you know, are the yeah. is are the immediate neighbors still living in the still in the damaged houses, or you know. The, so uh, the people uh, yeah, directly you, across you, the street, you, that kind of thing. You go and you go and knock on some doors, and the, the houses either side have been vacated. Um, 
you can go you can go a bit further afield and and speak to some some people who will somewhat turn their nose up at your expression but but uh, appearance but um otherwise not be able to tell you very much they they, okay. they can tell you what you know from the from the uh, report in the paper and give you an approximate time that it started okay and they definitely saw Beddoes running from the no, no, no one, no one that uh, no one that you spoke to personally saw Beddoes. Okay, um, so I wonder who reported that they saw Beddoes. Let's well, say so if you if you spend uh, if you spend a couple of hours uh, wandering around houses, then you eventually find someone who who, who claims to have says that he yes, I, I saw Beddoes uh, uh, running up the street. Um, Are you sure it was Beddoes? The newspaper just said resembling Beddoes. Well, well, yes, uh, I spoke to the press and... Um, what time of night I, was this? Uh, it was the, the uh, early hours of um, uh, Saturday morning. Uh, no, sorry, and, uh, let's, yes, let's say that. And, and you saw him from your house? What were you doing out on the early... What were you doing uh, well, out I, in the I, early hours of Friday of Saturday morning? Uh, I, I'm a bit of an insomniac myself, and I like to keep an eye over the neighbourhood. So, where were you at the time that you saw Beddoes? Uh, it was upstairs in my in my. He points up at a sort of window, up a couple of floors above. I look up there and I look towards the house. How far away is the um is the professor's house from his? It's it's you know it's visible, but it's but it, late at night. It, it seems yeah. it seems quite it seems questionable. <laughs> I'm doubting you, you, his story. I think that would that would not be an unreasonable conclusion to draw. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking and going. Okay, thank you very much, good. Yes, good sir. And we turn around and go. I do not think he saw those. So to move things on slightly, um, let's say should we say you all meet back at the hotel? Yes. Yes. <clears throat> Okay, as yep. you as you arrive in the lobby of the hotel and you you exchange what you've learnt, um, do, 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 do. yes, you a a man approaches you um, and hands you an envelope. To all of us, or someone? Yeah, yeah, hands he it to who? Yeah, one for each. Specifically, or? up to the father and hands it to the father. There's a message for you, sir. Oh, thank you. I'll look at the envelope. Walks off. Um, uh, it is, yeah, it's it's a sort of solid piece of card, um, and there is a blob of wax closing it. Uh, so it's sorry, it's a, it's, a, it's an envelope um, sealed with a with a with a wax. Has uh, it got a, a signet ring impression? Do I recognise the signet ring impression? You recognise it as Professor Smith's. I look around and go, oh, gentlemen, I think I've just received a message from Mr. S- from Professor Smith. Well, open it, Father. Uh, yeah. Yes, what does it say? I open it and take a look. <clears throat> okay, so you open it and you recognise it as the Professor's calling card. Um, and on on one side is an address has been written. And on the other side is the following, which I'm going to paste into the notes. Okay, and I'll read it out. Oh, Can you see it? Yep. Mm, oh, there it is. Okay. It says, come at once. I haven't long. For God's sakes, let no one follow you. J.A. Smith. Good God. There's an address on here. Let's go. What are we waiting for? Yes. 
Away. Okay. You, 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 those of you who live in London know that this is, it's an address in Cheapside, and it is a particularly low-class area of London, um, not really the area that Smith or Beddoes would regularly frequent. So I'll look around furtively to see if anybody is um, staring at us in any obvious way. And a spot hidden roll. Nope. Looks like we're good. <laughs> I'll have a quick look. Uh, 25, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, you don't see anyone. Doesn't, it looks like we're fine. Okay, let's get uh, a cab and let's get there. Now, this was delivered to the father, though. Does it count if the other, if the rest, if we are following him? I think hmm. you guys are allowed to come with me because you're not following me. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get a, a taxi and uh, yes. Talk. Okay, so you you pull up to this uh, block of grimy flats. Um, you have an address of a room inside. Yep. We'll get out, have a look at down the street before we knock on the door. Okay, so it's it's a it's a room inside the building. So you go inside the building. I'll first look down the road for any other cars or anything like that before going into the building. Okay. Yeah. You, there are there are people around and people wandering about. It's. Nothing particularly out of the... Yeah, we just need to make sure that no one is following us or anything like yeah. that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, do, we yeah. to, do, do we need to roll for hidden rolls or... No, I'll I, I use the others. results of your, your previous rolls as... To right. Okay. okay, and then we head upstairs. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, so. I guess... Did you want me to make a spot hidden then, Jonathan? Since, uh, from before. If you would like to make a spot hidden. Sure. Ooh, that's a... That's a ten. That is an extreme. Mm-hmm. You don't see anyone out of the ordinary. Perfect. <laughs> we go in. Okay. Uh, you see a door. It is numbered twenty-seven. I knock on it. Okay. Uh, the door opens, and you recognise Bedos. Bedos has opened the door, and he has. He has heavily bandaged hands. He says, oh, oh thank, thank God you've come. Um, uh, come in, come in. And he opens the door and he, he ushers you all inside. He goes, Meadows, my good man, what's, what's going on? What's happened? Come in, come in, goddammit. Close the door. Head in. <laughs> yep. Okay. We hurry in. All right, so you, you, you enter this room. It's, it's a tiny room. It's a single room. And the, the, the drapes have been pulled shut. Um, cutting out most of the light, and in the corner of the room, you see you see a figure uh, sitting on the, on a bed, and he's he's wheezing, <laughs> and Beddoes sort of gestures for you to to go over that way. Julie, is that you? <gasps> Are you all right? <sighs> And he, he struggles to sit up this, this figure. Um, right, anyone rush, rush to his side. Yes. If you if you all approach in, you can make sanity rolls. Oh. Oh, sanity. Oh, eight. 
pass. Seventeen. Ooh, that's an ot four. There you go. So zero sanity loss for a success. One d three for a failure. One d three. Three points. So you you just. You yell out in, in, in shock at this sight, and uh, quiet, quiet, goddammit. <laughs> Julie, you, what's you happened? You can see that he has been severely burned. Um, Dear Professor, my God, my Lord, oh, oh, what thanks, has happened? Thank God you, you came. He sort of struggles to sit up, and Bedos, Bedos rushes over to, to help him. Um, you, you, you notice he looks, he looks different. Um, and you, you don't need a role to realize his, his, his mustache and beard has have just been burnt away completely. Oh, um, the worst. It's, it's, it's just, this is a really disturbing sight to see your, your friend was never without his mustache and his beard and he's rather ah. proud of it. He used to twirl it a lot when he was deep in thought. Does anyone have medicine? One um, percent of it. No. <laughs> you, you can make a medicine roll if you like, but uh, <laughs> zero one. I'm oh, sorry, no, yes. that was the wrong one. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> the the oh, thing dear. still had a D three two roll as well. <laughs> no. Oh, I got a zero three. So if I roll the zero three and I drop that down two with my luck, does that work? Go for it. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. Let's <laughs> do that. Okay, so you, you notice there's there's a, a side table next to the bed and there are bottles and tubes on it and you, you see a, uh, a sort of an intravenous drip. It's probably a salt drip. Um, there seems to be some, some bottles of what you assume is probably morphine, um, various pain drugs. And as, as Beddoes is tending to the, to the professor, you realise that he, he knows what he's doing. Beddoes, Beddoes is a... Uh, his experience in the in the army uh, taught him taught him quite a bit about this kind of medicine. Oh, thank 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 goodness you came. Um, he, he gestures for you to for you to come closer. So he's he's barely audible. He's he's clearly having a fair bit of difficulty in talking. Uh, I I cannot talk for long. <clears throat> They they found me and tried to kill me. <sighs> who 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 did you find the professor? Uh, yeah, my, who's after I'm, you? I'm I'm sorry, I didn't tell you about what I've been up to this these past months. But it's it's more than just a few ghosts. Uh, uh, Sean, Sean Paul. Yes, I'm here. I finally understand what you've been trying to tell me. Sorry to hear that. Uh, I discovered information about <clears throat> evil occult artifact. It's the Sedefka Simulacrum. <laughs> uh. Eddowes comes over and he, he sort of doesn't hear what you said and he just, just continues. Um, it, it is a, a st- 
statue possessing immense magical power was disassembled at the end <coughs> of the 18th century and scattered across Europe. I had intended to gather the pieces and destroy it once and for all. I had hoped my lecture would attract those with the skills and knowledge to help me in this. <coughs> Unfortunately, I underestimated those who would desire it for themselves. Uh, Beddoes and I were attacked last night by Turkish madmen. I fear they seek the simulacrum and will use it for dark purposes. They tried to burn us while we slept, but Beddoes managed to save us both. You notice he's, he's getting... He's getting a bit excited as he as he says this, and, and Beddoes is trying to urge him to, to calm down. And uh, I, I fear my notes were burned, but the Turks may have stolen them first. They must not be allowed to recover the statue. Please, I beg you, don't let my efforts go to waste. Complete the task that I cannot. <coughs> Where do we start? And he he tells you um, what he what he remembers of his of his research, and I'm I'm going to summarise this for you. Um, uh, so he he actually he gives a bit of a a, a speech um, about what he knows where where the pieces of this statue were dismembered, um, some leads that he has, and and as he as he tells you this, uh, Beddoes is 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 jotting down on a piece of paper and um, he hands this to you. I'll, I'll put this into the notes. Da, 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 da. There we go. I'm not going to role play him wheezing that out because it's actually quite difficult for my voice. <laughs> um, so when, when he, he finishes, uh, his, his voice is, is nearly gone. Uh, please do this for me. Go, go quickly. God help you. Uh, and he wheezes and his, his voice is completely gone. So Beddoes hands him a, a glass and he takes a gulp and then he lies back onto the bed and his eyes close and he, he's sleeping. Yeah. Chevy's a very, very loyal man and, you know, he admires the professor very much. So he's going to take up this, you know, as a personal task. Uh, definitely, you know, the only thing that he's going to be doing, you know, moving forward. So uh, he's going to focus on this and, and ask the others if, if they want to join him. Uh, can I make an occult roll on Sadefka Simulacrum? Yes. Same here. Uh, no, I can't. Never mind. <laughs> uh, 18, what's my occult? Uh, it might actually... No, no, neither can I. I, I assume there's no... Man, I, I rolled an ought eight on my occult. I might have to drop that down three with luck again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. It, luck. I'm gonna. Why not? It's, that's what it's there for. All right, so I make my occult roll. Okay. Uh, you, you, you don't know, you have not heard of this um, Sedefkar simulacrum, but you... Um, you, you you have a you have an idea of some 
you know, places you could possibly begin to research such things. Um, so you, you bear that in mind. So uh, Beddoes turns to you and his, his eyes are downcast and he's, he's clearly, he's very, very upset at what's happened to his master. Um, he, he wanders over to a cupboard in the room and extracts a, a case and he, he hands it to probably the father. Don't know why. He's a trustworthy chap. And uh, says, um, uh, the, professor, the professor wishes to, to fund this, this, this trip, um, but uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't desire any, any accounting. So uh, within the case, uh, you should find, hopefully, a sufficient amount of money uh, to cover your expenses. Um, he, he had planned to travel uh, via the, the Simplon Orient Express. Um, my master is accustomed to comfort, he says sadly. <clears throat> he clears his throat and falls silent. Uh, thank you. Um, we shall endeavour uh, to do our best to um, fulfil his final request. Um, and thank you very much for the funds it will be put to the use that it was meant to be. Yes, yes, it won't be going to the church. It will go to his research. <laughs> I, t- I turn to um, uh, Beddoes and, and tell him, tell the professor that we are going to find him. And we're going to make them pay. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I, I have no doubt that you will, you will do the right thing. Beddoes, did you know this Mr. Makarat? Mehmet Makarat? What? Who? A Turk. Well, we... Um, we, you have, we, you have we, we were newspaper? We were besieged by, by some men speaking Turkish. Um, Do you have a, them... a newspaper? Today's paper? Uh, he shakes his head. There's a story of a of a Turkish man who was killed three times last night. He says, oh. "We we we were attacked by by Turkish speaking men. Um, they 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 tried to stab me when I answered the door. Um, How I, many? Uh, three, four. I, I I can't quite remember. Um, did they all, uh, did they all look alike? I I I, I suppose. I mean, it, it it all happened so quickly. You see, they." I, I, I locked the door and uh, I managed to, to push him away. Um, but then they, 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 threw, they threw bottles through, through the windows and uh, it was just flames everywhere. I, I, oh, it, was, it was so awful. I managed to, I managed to pick up the professor, but uh, gestures to his hands. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky, I suppose. Uh, uh, he... Fall silent again. We should go. Beddoes, um, we'll let you know what we can. During that whole conversation, I'm going to move to the window and kind of peek out through the drapes. <clears throat> sure. See if, there's, um, see if there's any suspicious-looking people on the uh, road. Spot him? Nope. <laughs> then you don't see anyone. <laughs> okay. Thomas, does it look clear? Uh, yes, it does. 
Okay, let's go. There are no Turks, anyway. Very good. Okay. We head out and head back to our hotel. Okay. So let's let's say that you you arrive back at your hotel and you 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 spend a bit of time discussing what the professor uh, told you and what is uh, in Beddo's notes. This this would probably be a good time to actually read out Beddo's notes. Yeah. Um. Once also once we're back in the room, I'll check to see how much money he actually left us. He left you what looks like. Uh, uh, about 200 brand new Bank of England five pound notes. Hmm. Okay. So, out of character, do we have any clues? Well, we have to or read through Beto's notes. Beto's notes. And probably give us a bunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll, I can start if we want to split up into paragraphs or. Uh, yeah. Just read it all, Gary. Yeah, okay, yeah. With that. Uh, the Simulacrum <laughs> is an occult artifact of evil power. It was taken apart and scattered across Europe at the end of the 18th century, retrieved, retrieved the pieces and destroyed it. The statue was dismembered in Paris just prior to the French Revolution. Part of it may still be in France. The owner was a noble Comte Fenelic. Um, Napoleon's soldiers carried a piece into Venice when they invaded that city. Another fragment made it made its way to Trieste at the same time. Its fate is unknown. Look up Johann Winkelmann at the museum there. There may be a piece in the kingdom of Serbs, Croats and Slovenes. Um, start at the National Museum of Belgrade. Dr. Mil- Milovan Todorovic is the curator. One part was lost near Sofia during the Bulgarian War in 1875. At that time, things of values were hidden from the invaders, so it may be buried somewhere. A piece was in circulation in Paris just after the Great War, sold to someone from Milan. The only sure way to destroy the statue is in the original home, a place in Constantinople known as the shunned mosque a ritual to destroy it is to destroy it utterly is included in a set of documents known as the certificate scrolls mm. Mm. <clears throat> well we must go to paris we must no, go sorry, to paris uh, no no rolls edu rolls mm. oh six that's it. half by half normal oh, my ed, my edu is 95 that's so a fail. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, with that extreme success, you 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 realise that um, all of these locations happen to be very close or on the route of the Orient Express. Interesting. These are all on or near the route of the Orient Express. What luck! <laughs> what luck indeed. Remarkable. Um, does anybody, any of us, have access to the British Museum or British Lo- Library? I'm going to say if you can justify it in your character's background. I may be able to, as uh, for research purposes, for my expeditions. Then, then yes. I do indeed. Should we see if they have any information about this set of a car? Would probably be the best place to start. <clears throat> we are here before we can get to a real library. <laughs> oh, Jean-Paul. 
<laughs> you weren't too funny. Which library are you talking about? Any French library. <laughs> <laughs> Bibliothèque Nationale in Paris, of course. We can check there once we get to Paris. Yes. But while we're here, I think we should try to look in. Oh, agreed. Definitely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think that might be a good place to uh, yep. stop for now. I was about to say it's um, getting to my bedtime. Yeah. Nice. Uh, good start. What did you think, guys? Great good start. start. Yeah. Good start. Sorry, I, I, I rushed things a bit there, but I, I, you know, I definitely wanted to get these two main scenes done uh, in this episode. <laughs> yeah, and it's, a, it's, it's fine. A, it's a long module, so. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, okay, so the scene is set. The game yeah. is afoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, so next week, as I said, I'll only be probably online for roughly an hour. Okay, and then. After that, uh, I'm I'm absent for two sessions, so someone will have to run something else. Look. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'm uh, oh, sorry, I'm not here on the twelfth, but I can look through the um, the New Orleans book and see if there's something that's that's short. But I have my doubts. I, I got I got something that'll that should take two sessions. Oh, good, so, perfect. Yeah. Jim, you say that it should take two sessions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which, which he means two months, but, you know. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I just remember John Hook saying how long he thought the... Um... Four sessions, Max, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> how many was it? It was like six or something like that? Nine. Oh, nine. nine. <laughs> Nine, yeah. Just because we avoided the plot. Yeah, for the first four sessions, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's like Shannon's victim of the art that he was only three sessions stopped. <laughs> yeah. Still we seem to be good at this avoiding the plot. <laughs> well, they're also deadly. Very <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. I, I'm actually going to slightly wreck on something but to to avoid having it at the end of this session i'll i'll discuss that next session okay. um all right this this so the, the 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 new version of the orient express has inserted quite a few optional additional adventures um mm-hmm. which we have to make a decision would you guys like to to play these they are they will lengthen things quite considerably. Um, <laughs> I'd be interested in playing them. I would well, yeah, interested in, in trying the, out the new, um, the okay. new uh, what adventures? Yeah, you want to so you want to do the whole experience. thing? Yeah, okay, full experience. Yeah, yeah. Oh. right. Then I guess we're going to be playing for more than a year, so <laughs> right. Yeah, we've got time. What? Obviously, I'm, I'm not going to do this all through in one go. So, well. You know, once I get bored, I'll let someone know in advance and uh, break it. At sort of maybe, maybe actually divide divide it into the books because there's you know several books full of chapters. But uh, that's probably a good see. way to break it up: is yeah. do one book and then have a break, and then do the next book, and then have a break yeah. and do the next book. It's like um, Randall did with Invictus. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I think uh, we do have. Yeah, I think that'll be great because we've mm-hmm. got other. 
other stuff sort of hiding in the wings, and it'll be nice to go back and forth with those. Yeah. Okay, then. Yep. So awesome. Let's, um, yeah, I will make a note of that, and we can talk about that at the beginning of session two. Sounds good. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you, guys. Thanks very much. Bye. Thank you, Jonathan. Have a good weekend. See you next Here. time. Bye. You too. Bye, guys. See you. Take it Bye. easy. Bye.